Welcome back. I'm here again with Angela Ford. Angela, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be back. How are you doing this morning? Doing well. And I'm happy to talk to you again because the last episode was extremely interesting. This is going to be, I think, even more interesting. So a lot of the remote viewers at Fort Meade would often look at what they would call off-world targets. They wouldn't be told it was off-world targets, but sometimes it was obvious because, at least in the early days, because there would be a designator that was not a numerical digit in front of some of these, like uh, I'm making this up, like an R or a T or something like that. So sometimes it was fairly obvious. I think that was corrected in subsequent periods. But did anyone ever have you look at an esoteric target? By esoteric, what do you mean? Because the only thing I worked on was with Ed Dames on Mars. Yeah, so Mars would certainly be an esoteric target. In the past, people have also talked about viewing the dark side of the moon, Jupiter, Saturn. I also looked at targets on Earth, the four so-called bases that Pat Price first remote viewed. Lynn Buchanan looked at 64 different people right before and after death. So things of kind of that nature. Yeah, no, no. the only targets I had were the Mars targets because I would be uh, run by Ed Dames. But those targets are difficult because when you're training a remote viewer, they need immediate feedback and you want targets that you have information about so you can say well you were correct there you were incorrect there and that's how the remote viewer learns but with the mars target at that time nobody knew about mars or martians so you could go with you could do a remote viewing session and come out with this information but nobody could determine were you on were you off i think ed believed in everything what people were saying so he would do his notes or make his notes so I th- that's why I think those kind of targets were very, you don't want to give those type of targets to somebody in training. And that, that's mm-hmm. what he was doing. So, but no, because I think I kind of made a fuss about it too. I, I'm like, you can't do that because the remote viewer is not learning. So I think it was stopped at some point, which I think it really upset him. But no, I, those were the only targets I knew because I only worked with, I mean, I only worked with Ed. I did um, I did coordinate remote viewing. I did, I had to, I learned it through Ed. It was just very quick and easy. I felt that people in the office should have been cross-trained in coordinate remote viewing and extended remote viewing. So I said, fine, I will do coordinate remote viewing, but I want the coordinate remote viewers trained in extended remote viewing. So that kind of went on for a little while. So what about correlating with other people who viewed the same targets, or did you do it early enough that you were the first person to look at these things? I don't know what other people said because only Ed had the information. I don't know what other people said. that We were not allowed to discuss our individual sessions, whether they were training or whether they were operations. Now, sometime in training, we would sit around the table and we, we would discuss the remote viewers' work in training. If there was feedback on operations, we would have a meeting and we could get information on the operations. But we did not talk about our sessions with other viewers. So I don't know what other people said about ours. While I think Morehouse was there, at some point in the program, after these 
off-world sessions, he was able to look at other documented feedback. There were file cabinets or files somewhere in the office where he can pull out uh, prior sessions of the same target and then correlate certain things. And he said a lot of times there were differences, but in most cases, there was a high level or high degree of correlation. That doesn't mean that what people saw was 100% verified, but it's better than nothing. And it, but it's not as good as actually having actual physical feedback from a, a real target. So, just to kind of make it brief, but and with full knowledge that what you saw could have been a pure figment of your imagination because you had no way to correlate it. What did you see when you? I were can't even Mars? remember. I can't even remember. It was so long ago. He wanted to know if there was life on Mars. I really can't remember because I only did a few of those. I didn't do it a lot. At the time, I was working trying to locate hostages in Lebanon. I mean, I was in a fully operational mode. So sometimes I don't think they liked me doing what I was doing with the operations. And I think there was a push to try to make me fit in more with the others. Independent of the targets, have you ever had any other experiences related to off-world entities, non-physical, you know, let's start with off-world entities, um, physical? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was about 13 or 14 years old, it was the springtime, and we were playing baseball, and it started to get dark. It, It was right that time between light and dark. So it started to get dark. It was in the early evening. So we started to walk home. And as we were started to walk home, you could hear this whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. You could hear like a whoosh sound. And we looked behind us and we saw a UFO. It just flew right over us. So we started to scream and we were like, look, look. So it caused people to come out. They were like wondering, people heard in their houses. So they came out. And then now, where saw, where was this? What part of the country? This was in Pennsylvania, in Western Pennsylvania, where I grew up. Where I was Whereabouts in Western? Sorry, I'm being, trying to be very specific. Indiana, Pennsylvania. It's right in the middle between Johnstown and Pittsburgh. Okay. And then how far is that from Philadelphia? Oh, about three or four hours. Philadelphia's on the east side. Pittsburgh's on the west side. I'm from Western Pennsylvania. And is Indiana between the two, or is it? Indiana is south of Pittsburgh and north of Johnstown. Okay. And then this happened roughly what year? 1966, 1967. Okay. All right. All right. So 1966, 1967. Actually, that's interesting. I think there was a, there may have been an incident somewhere else in Pennsylvania. I'm I'm blanking on the town right now, but that time period is, around the same. I'll have to look at it after this episode. But there was apparently a crash somewhere in Pennsylvania where allegedly a craft was recovered. And there were lots of sightings of different entities during that period of time. But it'll come back to me at at some point. But okay, so you're outside, you're yelling at at folks to you. It was just, it was you and how many other kids? Oh my God, there must have been four or five or six of us. We ended okay. up playing, we were done playing softball, baseball. So we were walking home. Okay. So you see this thing, you're yelling at it and what happens? 
Well, then it kind of flew away. And then we talked about it. Well, school was the next day and people made fun of us. They asked us, what were we smoking or drinking or whatever? But then we just forgot about it. But uh, years later, when I retired from the government in 2010, I had felt that I had had two experiences where I saw what it was sort of like a being that was had, you know, very white with dark eyes. I felt there was communication. And then later, not too long later, in 2010, I could see almost like a spacecraft hovering about my house. So I believe it's out there. Soon after I retired, I felt like I had an experience where I was talking to an entity that looked like somebody, I guess, what do you call these people? I mean, what do you call the entity that so there, I mean, again, people have reported a number of different ones. There's the tall whites who are like chalky white, very tall, slender, big guys. Or then there's the grays who are short, three to four feet tall, large heads, very large wraparound eyes. Yeah, it could have been more like the grays, but I felt like there was a connection. We were, I felt like mentally we were communicating. And then not long after that, not long after I saw the entity, I would say maybe three, four, five months later, one night I went out to my house and you could almost see like the UFO hovering. And when you had this contact, it sounded like it was just non-physical telepathic, at least with the... With the entity, and, it was non-physical yeah. telepathic. Mm-hmm. And, I, it felt very natural. It was like, you know, I'm like, oh, you again, like I must have known him from before or, but it was very natural. I was like, oh, hey, how?" it was like, hey, how you doing? Or, hey, long time no see. But it was very natural. And I felt like he gave me a healing. I don't know what he was doing. But, and then I feel like I gave him a healing back. And then he kind of disappeared. But it was very natural. It didn't scare me. It's it's like with my when I started to channel and with my ESP ability. It's very natural. It and- feels natural to me. Probably scare other people. Did the entity have any messages or anything like that or that you recall? No, it was like, mm-mm. no, it was like he wanted to, I don't know, like he was kind of help. He wanted to help me, but Lord, he seemed interested in my health. It was like, let me check you out. You know, are you, are you, let me check out. Let me check you out. What, it, you know, he may have probed me. I may have probed him back. But it felt natural. I wasn't in fear. And I felt like I knew this entity from before. So I don't know, was it in a past life? I don't know. But it was like, hey, how you doing? Long time no see. Oh, you again. It was that kind of. Hmm. Have you tried to reach out to that entity since? No, because I think if they, they'll show up when they want to. Yeah, I try sometimes when I meditate. Sometimes. And have you gotten any response? interesting so what do you think it is probably a little entity from a ufo probably a gray do you think they had any interest in your abilities or do you think they may have stimulated your abilities i think he was there to say hello and he wanted to heal me he wanted me healthy i you know let's let me check you out i you know you need to be okay and then, and I said, "Well, let me check you out. I don't. I need you to be okay." <laughs> but let me tell you about. Did I ever tell you about my UFO apartment? No. Okay, I was living in Arlington, Virginia, and I was working for Army Intelligence. I knew I was going to the psychic program at Fort Meade, 
And I knew that if I lived in Virginia and I had to travel to Maryland to Fort Meade, I would never make it because I didn't want to do the 395 Beltway or 495 Beltway. So what I did is I decided to move into Washington, D.C. I was living with my sister in Washington, D.C. I could get to Fort Meade a little bit quicker. And my sister was working in Virginia and she could go to Virginia to work. So Washington, D.C. was the medium point. So I had a friend, her name was Ruth Detroit, and Ruth was an older friend. She must have been in her 60s at the time, and she was living in D.C. So I called her up and I said, Ruth, I've, I've got to move into the city. She says, come on in. So we were walking around the city, and we went to this apartment complex called the William Penn Apartments on California Street, 2231 California Street in Washington, D.C. She said, I used to live in that apartment. So we rang the doorbell and the manager came out and we said, I'm looking for an apartment. And she said, I used to live here. So we went in and I got a one bedroom apartment that my sister and I moved into. Well, about two or three years later, the manager came up and he said, the people down the hall are moving out. And it was a two bedroom apartment. And he wanted to know if my sister and I wanted it. And we said, yes. So we moved from one apart, 10 feet, we're down to this other apartment, two-bedroom apartment. So I told Ruth, I said, oh, Ruth, I'm moving to, you know, I think it was 205 or 105 or something. And she said, oh, my God. She said, that was the apartment that I lived in. She said, that's where I used to live, that you're living in the same apartment I lived in when years ago, whenever she was married and had her boy. So one night I get a call from Ruth and she's downstairs trying to get in. And she said, hey, I just happened to be in the neighborhood. I have two friends with me. We want to come up and see the apartment. So they came up and Ruth was going, oh, and your bedroom is where I had the baby's crib. They're doing all this reminiscing. And this woman, Madeline, she said, Ruth, do you remember what happened in this apartment? And Ruth goes, no. And she said, this was the apartment where the first film of UFOs was shown. And there was a man by the name of Adamski. He was an Egyptian UFO researcher. And he did a documentary on UFOs, and it was shown in that apartment. The apartment, I think, was 203. 203. Apartment 203. Okay, but by UFO apartment, it just means they showed like the first they showed video. The first film of a- Yes, and this woman, Madeline, worked with the Damsky, and apparently she had a museum somewhere where they would show, like, I guess they had parts or whatever. But but everybody that came through that apartment was UFO-related. I can remember I would get congressional staffers would come in to visit me, and all of them claimed to have UFO experiences. Interesting. And then one night I got a call from a gentleman. He worked on the Intelligence Select Committee. And he was read on to our program and he wanted to meet with Whitley Strieber. Whitley Strieber. Yeah, absolutely. Whitley Strieber. And I got a call from this gentleman and he lived in Annapolis and he called me up and he said, Angela, Whitley's in town. He's staying at a hotel about 10 minutes, 15 minutes from me. He said, I really want to meet with him, but I can't meet with him at my house because it's too long of a drive and he needs to catch an airplane back to New York tonight. So he asked what if they could meet at my apartment. So they, they did. They came up. 
And I thought it was interesting that Whitley would be there. I mean, it just that apartment seemed to gravitate people who had UFO experiences. So they would come there and talk about them. Yeah, things like this don't seem like they're coincidences. No, I mean, Whitley showed up. Madeline showed up. Staffers were showing up that talked about UFO. I mean, it was a 203 apartment. The number was five. Anybody that lives in a number five house or dwelling, it's an adventure. When you say number five, what what, what do you mean by that? 203. Two plus zero plus three. Uh, So you're talking numerology. Again, I'm completely ignorant. So does 2231, I mean, it adds up to eight. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. It's that that does no. You're looking more at the no. I was no. I was looking more at the two hundred three. Okay, and what does five mean in numerology? Adventure, creativity, people that usually study exploration. It means adventure, travel. Interesting. And have you had any other? contact with any of these off-world entities? No, just the ones I told you about. What do you think this is about in terms of your personal experience? I think that they've been here. I mean, I think that they've been here all along. I mean, I think that, you know, there are other dimensions. They they come from other planets. Maybe they come from other galaxies. But there are entities here. I'm sure that from what I understand, there could have been more contact when Earth was first formed because Earth didn't have the density or the gravity that it had. I feel that we've always had, I mean, if you look at sites like Stonehenge, how did that get built? So I feel like it's always been here. It's just there. I mean, to think that we're the only ones in this galaxy or that there isn't anything else going on on other planets or in other galaxies. I mean, that's a lot of ego. It's it's a statistic impossibility, in my opinion. Yeah, I think people have tried to make the argument that it's a statistical impossibility that life could have developed on other worlds. But if, if we developed on this planet and there are trillions of stars, I mean, you would have to be a statistical moron not to conclude that there's something somewhere out there. And do you have a sense for if that's the case, why some civilization hasn't openly revealed themselves to us? Or maybe they have and maybe the government doesn't want. I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that? I think they do want to make themselves known. I think we need a lot of help. I mean, I think Earth needs a lot of help. If we can get any type of help. (laughs) And I do think that they want to help. But it's just a big fear factor. (laughs) I can remember when I first became psychic. And I started the automatic writing and I would travel back and forth to Pennsylvania from Washington to Pennsylvania. And my mother was taking a lot of ESP classes. And there was a woman that she was taking classes from named Alice Nichol. And Alice was a psychic. And she told me, she said, Angela, she said, you're very psychic. You're natural. She said, in your lifetime, in your life, you are going to see many things. You're going to see good things and you're going to see bad things. You're going to see positive things. You're going to see negative things. And she said, accept the negative. And in other words, don't be in fear of anything because that it's all part of it. It's all Experience. part of being psychic. Yeah. And I do work with other psychics, other healers. And they go through this big ritual of 
you know, I only want the white light. I only want positive to come in. I mean, they go through this. It's like you got it, it all comes in. Well, light doesn't exist without darkness. If we didn't have darkness, we wouldn't know what light was. Yeah, it's where we live in a dual earth is, you know, it's just it's dual black and white. So I so found I out. I kind of accept everything. And I don't live in that fear. Whatever comes, comes. So I actually went and peeked at what that incident was in Pennsylvania. Do you, where you grew up, how far is that from Kecksburg? It's in Pennsylvania. There was a UFO incident. It's called the Kecksburg, K-E-C-K-S-B-U-R-G, on December 9th, 1965. No, it would have been later. It would have been later. And it wasn't in December. It was more like April. It was the springtime. Because we were just starting to go out from the winter to play baseball or softball or whatever. I think it was softball. Yeah. So it what was, I'm saying is it's, it's not necessarily the same incident, but it's the same time period. So imagine if there was a crash, even in the U.S. military, you oh, would have the yeah, U.S. military was, okay, okay. In, in the area. Oh, here's another way to confirm it because you're not looking at it right now. Can you describe what the craft looked like? Yeah, it was green. It was round with a ring around it. Was it saucer shaped or acorn shaped? Saucer. Okay, the one in the Kecksburg incident is acorn shaped, whatever that means. The ours was saucer. Okay. All right. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe it's part of the same phenomena, but certainly same part of the country, similar time period. Because you said 1966 or 67. So. Probably 66, if it has anything to do with the other one. Interesting. Anything else on the UFO topic? No, I mean, I just, I believe that it's out there. I mean, I'm always waiting for UFOs to come and help us. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I almost think it's a developmental thing, right? If you ever, I mean, I hate to invoke science fiction, but if you watch Star Trek, they have the prime directive where they don't interfere unless a, a civilization has passed a certain technological level because it, you see it in colonialism right you come in and you give people technology they don't quite understand it kind of stunts or retards their growth and there might be some similar effect there that could be one thing it could also be that they want to reveal themselves but the US government has said no, it'll cause mass panics and, and things like that. And there's historical precedent of that, right, with World of the Worlds. When that came out, it caused a panic in the United States. But if they want to come, they're not going to care what the U.S. government. If they want to show themselves and come, they, they're not going to care what the U.S. government. <laughs> they don't care. Well, they're not going to care what the U.S. government says or thinks. They'll just. So. What do you, I mean, why do you think there hasn't been some mass relevation? I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. From what I understand is they do want to come and help. And I don't know if, if people aren't bringing them in because I, I don't know. I don't know. Any last words on this topic? No, I don't know why they're not here or they're not showing themselves more. I don't know, but it could be maybe our civilization is holding them back or you're something like we have to be at a certain point before mm -hmm. they can come in. But I don't think they're going to really care what the, what the U S government thinks. If they want to come, they're going to come. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we yeah, can't stop them. But yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.